This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This episode is brought to you by J. Crew. This spring, J. Crew is telling a linen love story. From perfectly rumpled beach cover-ups and effortlessly sexy suiting to button-up shirts from the world-famous Baird McNutt Mill in Ireland, the new J. Crew collection is made to be shared, lived in, and loved for decades and generations to come. Shop linen like you've never seen it. And more new arrivals for spring 2024 at jcrew.com. Welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Week 10 Injury Report Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardison, joining me on this lovely Friday afternoon. And by lovely, I mean it has been pissing rain all freaking day in Ohio, and I am tired of it. But regardless, we have football in the way, so that'll make things better. But Nick Botterford, Nick, how's it going, my friend? Uh, it's going very well. How are you, Ian? Again, I'm not pleased about the rain, but it is what it is part of life when God gets all pissed off and whatever not. So with all that in mind, guys, we're going to go through each and every fantasy relevant injury as we always do on Friday, followed by some DFS notes from myself and Nick, maybe even a couple prop bets. And by a couple of prop bets, I'm telling you right now, Nick, I came to the people with a lot of wrong shit over the years. I understand that. But one thing I did get right a couple of weeks ago that I was very confident about was Alvin Kamara over four and a half receptions. This is my next bet. Next best bet since then. Dalton Schultz over 31 and a half receiving yards. Please keep listening. Want to have you here. YouTube chat. That's great. Love having you guys. But Dalton Schultz over 31 and a half. Guys, I'm pretty sure that line's only there because on the season, he has 33.8 receiving yards per game. Obviously, a lot of that came with Cooper Rush under center. And when Schultz was playing, through a pretty serious knee injury. Now, you look at the situation. Coming off a bye, should be healthier. Three games with Dak Prescott. He has actually been able to put up 62, 49, and 74 receiving yards. And get Guess what? This Packers defense all of a sudden getting a bad case of the injury bug. Devondre Campbell, also their slot cornerback. Um, Eric Stokes is going to be out of the picture. Even have Chris Barnes and Shamar Jean Charles as other guys that are probably not going to be out there on the field. And oh yeah, difference maker Rashawn Gary isn't going to be able to help that pass rush moving forward being on IR. So Dalton Schultz over 31 and a half receiving yards. It's a lock. If I'm wrong, I'll probably move on to a different topic and hope you guys forget about it. So keep that in mind if you are a gambling man or woman. But with that, everyone let's get into these injuries i was telling nick before the show i don't think there's a ton a ton of guys that are you know open-ended still that could potentially you know quote unquote flip the slate on his head as the great peter overset might put it that said we'll go through them all so starting things off the overall qb1 your hearts and just objectively in fantasy josh allen questionable with this elbow considered hour to hour by head coach sean mcdermott new phrase there minute by minute second by second whatever you want to call it it does look like case keenum might be the favorite to start i don't know man josh did not practice seemingly at all this week we did get this weird video of him out there in practice and then he noticed the media and then he ran back inside so just you know some question marks going on 
on here. Nick, I do tend to lean towards Case Keenum getting the start this week. I just don't really think it's all that necessary for the Bills necessarily to risk Josh Allen's potential long-term health just for this game. And it is interesting to me that we did see back in, I believe, week six when the Bills were playing the Steelers, Look, the Bills were up 38-3 to by the beginning of the fourth quarter, and they brought in Case Keenum, and in his six non-kneel downs, they threw the ball five times. So I don't think that their status as one of the most pass-happy offenses in the league is going to go anywhere with Case Keenum under center. The efficiency, the passing touchdown rate, yes, all that's going to go down. I get it. But losing Josh Allen, while detrimental, is not going to force us to put Stephon Diggs anywhere near that fantasy bench. I will be downgrading Gabriel Davis accordingly. But even then, I don't think these guys you necessarily need to, again, not start at all, just lower a little bit. So, Nick, do you have any sort of feel on if Josh Allen will be out there? Because, again, three straight DMPs, I just tend to think that's going to put him behind the eight ball trying to get out there. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I, you know, as I do, I've been scrolling the uh, the doctor Twitter. Uh, Jeff Muller, he had he, he earlier this week he had said ninety percent likely in his opinion that that uh, Allen sits, and then I think I saw Doctor David Chow suggested it might be a multi game absence. Um, regardless, I agree with what you're saying. I I'm not that afraid of of Case Keenum. He's not Josh Allen, but he's going to be playing against some guys that I think he's a little familiar with from his time in Minnesota. Um, and like this, this is a phenomenal coaching, uh, staff. So I think that the, the bills pass catchers will largely be all right. Always appreciate our guy Mojo hanging in the YouTube chat. I don't think Isaiah McKenzie gets a boost with Case Keenum. Like, again, we want Josh Allen out there, if at all possible, for everyone involved. But low-key last week, we did see McKenzie have a very nice 69% route run rate on Josh Allen's dropback. So it really wasn't as split between him and Khalil Shakur as we saw in past weeks. So, hey, DFS, if you want to roll with Isaiah McKenzie, Diggs, Gabe Davis, like, I think they're great tournament plays without Josh Allen. Because, again, I think the volume's going to be there. Now, do I I think the offense is going to be as, you know, good of chances of scoring 40 points with Keenum instead of Allen. Absolutely not. So that's more of the things where, you know, yes, we are adjusting expectations, but I don't think we're going from maybe the best offense in the league to one of the worst. I think they go probably to about average, maybe even above average. All right. Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford, questionable with a concussion. He did get in a limited practice on Friday, so it does seem like he has a chance to get out there. So this is a similar situation where, look, Cooper Cup, he's the only guy in this offense we trust. We'll talk about kind of the evolving backfield situation in a bit. But for this week, the only person on the Rams you can feel comfortable starting in fantasy is Cooper Cup. And whether Stafford's in there or not, I hope he's in there. But if he's not, we're still starting Cooper freaking Cup. I will note that in John Wolford's one start back in week 17, 2021, McVay trusted him enough to throw the ball 38 times. So even without Stafford, Cup's going to be, you know, that volume-driven wide receiver one, regardless of your fantasy league format. Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill is questionable with the ankle injury. Look, again, it's the freaking Titans. Would this be better for the wide receivers and tight ends if Tannehill's out there? Absolutely. But guess what? He was out there plenty this year, and this is still the only team in the NFL without a single top 24 PPR wide receiver week. It's Derrick Henry, and that is it. The tough one, Nick, is going to be Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray. Questionable with a hamstring injury. Got the always lovely Cliff Kingsbury game time decision endorsement. So have you seen anything, Nick, to suggest whether Kyler could be on the right or wrong side of questionable? I tend to think because he did get out there on Thursday and Friday in a limited fashion, apparently their Wednesday practice was much more of a walkthrough estimation. I'm cautiously optimistic that Kyler will be out there Sunday afternoon. I agree with you. I think that it's unfortunately for this kind of a, a passer it's it's a really ugly slate this week 
Um, but he, I imagine he's going to be really limited uh, in terms of mobility. So like I, I might be dropping Kyler kind of to the back of the top 12 uh, quarterback ranks this week. That's the thing. It certainly deserves to be downgraded. Now I understand if, you know, it's Kyler versus a lot of like Taylor Heineke type quarterbacks out there on the waiver wire, you know, you're going to continue to be sticking with Kyler, but Hey, if it is a close enough situation, as I'm pulling up my ranks that you can all find with the PFF app or on PFF.com. Gotta love when they sign me out in the middle of a podcast and I get to do this whole thing while trying to talk. But Nick, again, it's one of those things where with a situation like this, where the player is playing at four 30 and you aren't exactly positive, at least for right now, I'm optimistic that by Sunday morning, Rapsheet or Schefter will give us a nice update on Kyler Murray. So, like, I have Kyler ranked as the QB7. So, Gino, Dak, even like Tom Brady and Trevor Lawrence, if we find out that Kyler is a true game time decision going into Sunday and it's looking like it's going to be risky, yeah, go ahead and, you know, start the start the Germany guys, start Dak Prescott, maybe even uh, Daniel Jones out there. But again, if it's going to come down to 430, you need to have a backup plan here. So unfortunately, these four o'clock games, we got the Colts, Raiders, Cardinals, Rams, Cowboys, Packers, and then the night games are going to be Chargers, 49ers, Commanders, and Eagles. So Jimmy Garoppolo, Taylor Heineke, those and God, Sam Ellinger, we would prefer to have Taylor Heineke or I would say Jimmy Garoppolo, probably the top guy out of those five games that's most likely going to be available. Would you agree with that, Nick? That's what I was going to ask you about is, is would you, would you, if, if Kyler like is, you know, right up there, uh, game time decision, would you start Jimmy over him? And like, I think so, but that's, we probably found our line right there. Yeah, and so that's fine. But, like, we'll know at that point. Like, you know, Kyler's going to have to be ruled active or inactive by 2.30. So if he's in, I would still go with Kyler over Jimmy Garoppolo. If he is not, then I would be going with, uh, yeah, Kyler. All right, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers continues to miss, you know, practice on Wednesday with the right thumb. He's good to go, though, continues to play just fine. Far bigger issue is how they're going to hold up there against uh, Micah Parsons in that Cowboys pass rush. Colts quarterback Matt Ryan, the uh, separated shoulder. uh, Yeah, not a problem anymore, apparently. Not listed, was able to practice in full. He is available for interim head coach Jeff Saturday if he does wish to move on from Sam Ellinger. But yeah, for right now, nothing to worry about in the Colts offense, except one Mr. Jonathan Taylor, who is not listed on the final report with that ankle injury. Deion Jackson is out with a knee injury as well. So I'm sure we'll see a little bit of Jordan Wilkins, maybe Philip Lindsay. Maybe they feel good enough about Zach Moss to make him active. But Nick, man, Jonathan Taylor, he's active. I know we can't expect, you know, the 101 type of performances that we drafted him for, but this is still someone that needs to be in every single starting lineup. Come on here. Come on now. It's Jonathan Taylor. Yep. I, I agree. I mean, temper expectations given, you know, the ankle and everything, but yeah, I, I would absolutely start him. Packers running back Aaron Jones, not listed, good to go with that ankle injury. So once again, matchup against the Cowboys isn't ideal, but this is still, you know, a borderline RB1 as the heart and soul of that Packers offense. Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott listed as questionable with that knee injury. Luckily, owner Jerry Jones already came out and told us that he will be out there against the Packers. Expected to play, I believe, were Jerry's exact words. So treat him as a touchdown dependent RB2. We're not getting, you know, any sort of a pass down floor lately. And Tony Pollard's still going to be involved as well. But hey, 
day, this still is an offense that, as we started to see with Dak under center, is going to be more than capable of putting up these 25, 30-point efforts where a guy like Zeke, as your goal line back, has a much better chance of falling to the end zone a couple of times. Really interesting one here for the Lions is going to be running back DeAndre Swift. Not listening on the final injury report with the ankle and shoulder. So it's good news. I mean, Dan Campbell earlier in the week said, we'll see what he looks like Wednesday and Thursday. And if he feels a little bit better than he did last week, then yeah, he's going to get more of a load. I think it's looking pretty encouraging. Now, he was also not listed on the injury report two weeks ago and he went out there and clearly played a limited role. So Nick, I'm still confident in firing up Jamal Williams as a top 20 back, specifically against a Bears front seven that already bad to start the season like this was a group that was getting trounced more weeks than not you take Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith out of the equation and yeah they didn't exactly get better so I'm cool with Jamal Williams where do you kind of land on DeAndre Swift because I was thinking about heading in with him unfortunately you know I I was expecting him to have the questionable tag if that was going to be the case I mean he was barely cracking my top 36 but with that off the table I mean when I say DeAndre Swift versus someone like Kareem Hunt who are you leaning DeAndre Swift. Uh, I just, I like the upside. I like the matchup. Uh, I also do like Jamal Williams and I wrote about him in my uh, midseason awards piece this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, Swift's, Swift's talent the, the, uh, and his role in this offense that is designed in a very specific manner to feature this type of a player. Yeah, I, I will, I will take Swift over Kareem Hunt. What about Antonio Gibson if McKissick's out? Still Swift? Yes, because his role has, it, it, sometimes is appearing as though he has this dual threat thing going and then they, they kind of scale it back that um, that's shaky for its own reasons. So I I will take Swift's upside. Okay. Deandre Swift. We're going to fire him back up as a top 20 guy. Come on, Dan Campbell. Don't do this to us. I will say that Craig Reynolds being on IR helps. They still do trust Justin Jackson, unfortunately, a little bit more than uh, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift managers might prefer. But again, just the fact that Swift isn't even listed as questionable, really good news for his health, hopefully being much closer to 100%. Texas running back Damian Pierce, good to go. He was limited earlier in the week with chest and shoulder injuries. Not worried about that. Continue to fire him up as a volume-based RB1. Saints running back Mark Ingram out once again with a knee injury, 88% snap rate for Alvin Kamara last week. So I know Steelers are getting back TJ Watt, but this has been a defense where I think both the Saints and the Steelers living a little bit more on their reputation than necessarily what they've been able to put forward this year. I mean, this Saints defense, bottom four in scoring. The Steelers are 24th, I believe. Fournette, Damon Harris, Mostert, Mixon, Nick Chubb have all put forward top 10 PPR performances against this group. So I know you're starting Kamara like regardless, but I think especially in DFS land, guys, don't be counting out a potential boom from him ahead of this spot. Rams running back Kyron Williams, rookie running back Kyron Williams, will be making his season debut on Sunday, coincides with Malcolm Brown being out with a hamstring injury. So we're going to have Kyron out there, probably Cam Akers still, probably Daryl Henderson here, maybe even Ronnie Rivers is active. I don't know what the hell to make of this, Nick. And unfortunately, it's not like there's this great upside, you know, in this offense at the moment. 29th ranked scoring offense. I mean, right now they have 547 team rushing yards. The Buccaneers have 546. Every other NFL offense is way over 700. So look, it's not even like Daryl Henderson especially has sucked this year. But at the end of the day, their running backs are 30th in carries and they're 26th in targets. So there just hasn't been much meat on the bone for anyone. Now, I do think Kyron Williams, 
worthy guy. Go get him on your bench if he's not there already because this is a situation where in the past, Sean McVay has been willing to turn over pretty much the entire backfield to one guy. So even if this is going to be a bad offense, if it's 90% of the work going to Kyron Williams eventually, we can live with that in fantasy land. I don't think it's going to be this week, though, Nick. So Kyron Williams, not someone we're starting this week, but reason to be a little bit optimistic about him moving forward. Is that fair? I, I will be starting him as an RB3 this week. And wow. it's purely, I mean, it's just chasing upside. The team has talked him up a lot. I don't think that any of the running backs, like like no one here has done enough to earn a role and and or a, a starting role, which is why Sean McVay has spent however many weeks in his press conferences talking about how excited they are to get Kyron Williams back. He might flop, but, you know, I'm applying my Taysom Hill logic here. Uh, do like, do I want to start Melvin Gordon over Kyron? No, I, I mean, I, I think the upside available with Kyron is significantly higher. Is the floor terribly low? Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, and so, you know, every fantasy manager has to be comfortable with their own risk reward evaluation. But like, I'll probably put him around the Kansas City running backs in the like mid to low RB3 area. That's fair. I, I said wow at first, but now that I look at it, I mean, I had Henderson RB 38 before expecting Kyron to come back. I got the Broncos guys around there. Rashad White RB 36. I think that's about where uh, Kyron Williams deserves to go. So, you know, you're not going to feel great about starting him this week, but you got to do what you got to do on a bye. You know, we get that. All right. This could be interesting, though. Chiefs running back Jarek McKinnon listed with shoulder, knee, and hamstring injuries. My God, like that SpongeBob character and just the full body cast at this point, quite officially listed as questionable i believe he only got added to the report on friday as well so if he does leave the equation that's a big boost for clyde edwards lair would expect him to work ahead of isaiah pacheco as the pass down back now there is a chance that ronald jones could get activated to the active roster and all of a sudden this turns into a three down committee but look mckinnon is their pass down back and there might not be a worse pass down back in the nfl than ronald jones so i would think they would go with just ceh and pacheco but as we've seen in Kansas City, they do like using their three running backs this year. So with McKinnon as questionable, it would be a nice boost for Pacheco and especially CEH. Now, with that said, I still would have a tough time moving Clyde, you know, much higher than low-end RB2 range. And that might even be a little wishful thinking there. A similar situation is going on in Washington with commanders running back J.D. McKissick. Still not practicing. We'll find out officially what the statuses are going to be during Saturday because the Washington commanders play the Eagles on Monday Night Football. Just another brilliant primetime game they're uh, they're gracing us all with. Thanks a lot, uh, NFL. But, yes, if J.J. McKissick is out of the picture, I would like to fire up Antonio Gibson with more confidence, but unfortunately it really could be split down the middle here with Brian Robinson. Uh, fun fact, Brian Robinson, dead last in yards per touch among 47 running backs with at least uh, 60 combined carries and receptions this year. So, again, man, I feel like just a bad human being anytime I bet. It's a great story. It's awesome. And he came back to the hype vid. He had many men going like that was a fun time i fully recognize that but my god man like to see a healthy version of gibson out there really making some nice plays in the receiving game all year like that's my beef the fact that last week gibson ran 18 routes and robinson ran 11 that should have been 29 to nothing you cannot tell me with any sort of credibility that robinson can do anything that gibson can do as a receiver unfortunately washington will seemingly insist on continuing to find that out so gibson is going to be you know low-end borderline rb2 without McKissick in the fold uh, and Brian Robinson a little bit behind. Just realize, especially Robinson this week against the Eagles, not the sort of game script we expect him to be able to get going. 
Final note's going to be 49ers running back Elijah Mitchell going to be activated off the IR uh, from having this knee injury and expected to be McCaffrey's backup. Maybe Kyle Shanahan does Kyle Shanahan things. Nah, I'm just kidding. Can you imagine that, though? Nick Mitchell comes back and gets his job back, and we got CMC just chilling on the sideline. Don't quite think that'll be the case. But, hey, Elijah Mitchell, if someone did go ahead and drop him at some point in the season, he's a quality handcuff, man, where maybe he's never going to have that true full three-down roll. But he didn't have that last year, and he was still putting up, I believe, top 15 numbers on a per-game basis. So Elijah Mitchell, definitely someone to consider out there on the old waiver wire if someone grew tired of dealing with his IR stint. Staying with the 49ers, moving on to wide receiver Debo Samuel, not listed on the injury report, missed week eight, had the week nine by to get, get right. He is now good to go from that hamstring injury. So I will say, this is not the same Debo. And it's one of these things where I don't think it's his fault. I don't think he's the worst player. He hasn't had the same role. Zero games with even 15 rushing yards since week two. He hasn't scored a rushing touchdown since week one. So you actually look at his underlying stats, and he's averaging almost the exact same amount of expected PPR points per game. The problem is he's not smashing that expected point total by more points than any other wide receiver in the league this year. So that was why, and I'm this is, please don't confuse this as a victory lap. There's still half the season left. And Debo's been good, but the reason why I didn't have much exposure of Debo in round two is because they don't give him the same sort of volume that honestly a lot of players of his talent should be getting so it's a crowded offense I don't blame him Brandon Ayuk George Kittle Christian McCaffrey a lot of good places to go with the ball but it's just wild man even without Trey Lance it's been tough to get Debo uh you know the ball a little bit more often so things could change but for right now the Debo Samuel role is more so like a wide receiver one getting eight targets with the Packers walking graveyard of a wide receiver room, Romeo Dobbs out with an ankle. Al Lazard going to continue playing through the shoulder issue, as will Sammy Watkins with his knee. We did get Amari Rogers as a late addition on Friday with a quad slash hamstring injury. And Christian Watson is good to go from the concussion protocol. I have no idea how this protocol works, what's going on. This dude's been in the concussion protocol, I think, twice now in two consecutive weeks, but he's apparently fine and good to go. So that's good. I obviously don't want anyone to get concussed out there. And Watson has flashed with his you know, just limited opportunities. The guy looks fast as hell with the football in his hands. Right now, though, Alan Lazard, the only guy we can trust from this offense. And, Nick, I'm feeling good about Lazard this week, man. The dude's gone out there. And I thought it was reasonable questions about could he command this big target share in this wide-open offense. But guess what? You take away most of the competition, and the guy's been just fine doing that. 100 yards or a touchdown in every single non-injured game he's had this year. Al Lazard, top 20 receiver despite the tough matchup. I've got him in the top uh, 36. He's a wide receiver three for me. If they do put Diggs on him, like um, Diggs is is such a good defender from an NFL perspective, but he does allow big plays to happen. So Lazard could get loose behind him. Um, I just I don't like the way Rodgers is playing. I don't I I don't think that Lazard is that great of a talent. Although he has played well this year, I I have to give him that. Yeah, he, Lazard's a wide receiver three for me. I have him wide receiver 19 right now ahead of guys like McLaurin, Palmer, Judy, Ayuk, but it really is an extended tier right there. I could see how you could actually move him down six, seven spots. Wouldn't be the most egregious thing. To be fair, I don't really expect Trayvon to shadow him. The only time they've done that with Diggs this year was actually against A.J. Brown, and they've had the other matchups like Mike Evans in week one and stuff that I do think would warrant it. So credit to Trayvon. He's kind of, you know, he's pulled in. He hasn't gone full Trayvon Diggs uh, this year like he did last year, so I I think he has found that, you know, line a little bit better between the big plays and just being a consistent corner, not getting, you know, roasted for a big game every other drive. So we will see what happens there. 
Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen not listed on the injury report after starting off the week with a limited session due to an ankle injury. This is your three-week reminder that Adam Thielen has not gone more than three weeks without scoring a touchdown since 2018. So if Thielen can hopefully find the end zone against the Bills this week, I'll get to then bring that up again three weeks later. With the Chargers, Keenan Allen out with a hamstring injury. Mike Williams out with an ankle injury. That's going to put Josh Palmer back in the low-end wide receiver two conversation. I have him ranked as my wide receiver 22, ahead of guys like Judy, Ayuk, Devontae Smith, and Deontay Johnson. Chiefs wide receiver Mikko Hardman out with an abdomen injury. This is something he's been dealing with in the past, but it actually did take him out of the picture this week. So, Juju Smith-Schuster, he's earned his own top 20 treatment so far, which is fantastic news for him. With Miko out, Nick, a man can dream that this will lead to a full-time role for Kadarius Tony. Can't guarantee it just yet, though. We still have Sky Moore there, Justin Watson. MBS obviously has taken up one of those starting wide receiver spots as well. So with this injury, like, are you willing to boom Tony? I don't know, man. I think wide receiver, low-end wide receiver three is reasonable, but still, I look at guys like, you know, Let's see. I have my wide receiver like 37 to 40 is Drake London, Michael Gallup, Terrence Marshall, Dobbin, People Jones. That's kind of the area I see uh, Kadarius Tony sliding into. What say you? Uh, I think you're probably more optimistic than me, and I'm a huge Tony fan. They really did. Uh, they, they eased him in significantly last week, and yeah. I think that that kind of set the baseline for how they're going to gradually bring him in. I imagine that they will get MVS out there ahead of Tony as the as the the Michael Hardman uh, replacement, but I mean I, I would I would root for Tony and I could see I could see starting Tony as a wide receiver four, but you know if we're talking about risk reward uh, comfortability, um, you, you got to be really comfortable. I would really prefer to look. I want to start Tony the week he goes off, obviously, but it's one of those situations where until his routes and snaps really go up, I just think you're probably better off accepting that you might be a week late on Tony. Once we get that full-time role, we're going, we're live, let's do it. Right now, can't guarantee that's going to be the case. With the Cardinals, Rondale Moore, not listed. He had that hand injury limiting him earlier in the week, but he is good to go. Greg Dorch, late week addition with a questionable tag and a groin injury. So Rondale Moore, yeah, be a lot cooler if Rondale, if, uh, if uh, Kyler Murray is going to be out there under center for Rondale, but just realize from the friendly confines of the slot, I mean, he's had, I believe, six catches in every single game this year where he has been the primary slot receiver. The only two duds came when A.J. Green was out and Robbie Anderson wasn't involved in the offense just yet. So Rondale Moore continues to be a full PPR wide receiver three Saints wide receiver Jarvis Landry he's back not listening on the final injury report with that ankle injury he did only practice in a limited fashion all week though so I'm not totally convinced that he's going to be back there and someone we want to absolutely shoot into lineups DFS is very interesting again Steelers league worst defense and PPR points per game allowed the wide receivers but Nick at least for this week I mean let's face it Jarvis Landry even if we knew he was fully healthy it's not like we're going to be firing him up as a top 30 top 35 like you need to start this guy it's Chris Olave and that's in this wide receiver room right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Landry, I think you could use him as some sort of extreme contrarian play, but I would not be relying on him. Uh, a point about Rondale, I he is on my fade list this week. He's he's one of my targets to avoid. He's basically, as far as the, the, the projected snaps go, he's probably going to be splitting reps against uh, Jalen Ramsey and Troy Hill, and those two guys are, are both very good. I, I am... I like Rondale as a player, and I usually have him as a wide receiver three, but he's outside of my top 36 this week. 
I'm just worried like Ramsey's gonna pick up Rondale and like literally chuck him like into the stands or something. Like, dude, Ramsey has a big, big hit or two every single week. I know, I know Fournette got the truck stick on him last week, but Ramsey just again, such a freaking physical corner. Uh, that could be fun to see. I don't think Ramsey is going to be shadowing DeAndre Hopkins, by the way. I know that was a fun matchup over the years back Texans Jaguars, and I believe they both called each other back in like 2018, 2019. Hopkins said Ramsey was the best in the game, and Ramsey returned the love to DeAndre. Hopkins the thing is when these guys matched up back in 2020 because Hopkins was hurt for their games against each other last year Ramsey didn't shadow him in 2020 and this year Ramsey hasn't even been shadowing guys like Mike Evans like Stefan Diggs that you actually would expect him to go out there and do it with so DeAndre Hopkins maybe will be the big beneficiary of seeing less Ramsey out there Buccaneers wide receiver Mike Evans, good to go, was listed with the ribs and ankle injury, but not too much of a problem. Russell Gage is out. Julio Jones is not listed. Uh, The problem with Julio, I just, I'm doubtful that they're going to trot him out there with this full-time role. We saw Scotty Miller when he wasn't letting touchdowns bounce off his face mask, do some good things last week. And I just think more than ever, it's just going to continue to be Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, the number two and number three targets in total targets since week four, which is when Godwin actually came back from that hamstring and knee injury. So at some point in time, I do expect TB12 and company to get back on track. How could they not? There is so much freaking volume in this passing game. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, I am still going back. I mean, I know Evans has been putting up numbers regardless, but still with Chris Godwin, optimistic he can turn into a top 20 PPR performer sooner rather than later. Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro is going to be out for at least four weeks on the IR with an oblique injury. So we have Mac Hollins really getting a nice bump there as a clear cut number two. And I just think we'll see more two tight end stuff. So, you know, Keelan Cole is a potential guy to step in there, but I don't think there's going to be really any other re- relevant wide receiver coming out of Renfro's absence. Lions wide receiver Josh Reynolds out with a back injury. Khalif Raymond and Tom Kennedy again flanking Amon Ross St. Brown through wide receiver sets. This one's a little interesting, Nick, because the Texans reasonable matchup on the outside against the Giants. PFF's second lowest graded secondary in terms of pure coverage grade, but Brandon Cooks this wrist injury is maybe real. Actually, I thought it was just a cover for, you know, him like sitting out for the trade deadline, but he's questionable with the wrist injury. Nico Collins is questionable with the groin injury. Philip Dorsett not listed with the ankle. So again, I'm not worried about the matchup. There's a chance that Brandon Cooks gets shadowed by a Dory Jackson. And similar to what you were talking about with uh, Trayvon Diggs, like I would welcome that matchup for Brandon Cooks. So it's nothing about that that I'm worried about. But man, when you have a player going out there saying, you know, I just want to win games and clearly he's not in the same page with the organization i'm not so sure that organization is going to be trying to force feed him the ball so brandon cooks majority of close start sit start sit questions this week i'm probably going to be leaning sit what do you think yeah and i i so i i as i always do read your uh most recent uh shadow report and last week's and i i actually like nico collins a lot here i think that he's Mm going to toast fabian moreau or at least he has the opportunity to i'm a nico believer he's let me down in the past uh yeah, I don't know what to make of the the wrist injury though for Brandon Cooks. I thought that it was B, it was BS too, much like uh, actually we can talk about that off the show. But there were some funny uh, reports about Tony not actually having hamstring injuries. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Cooks, I, I think he's really really difficult to trust with all of the uh, extracurricular stuff going on.
No, I don't think there's ever been a more just easy to use and true version of the Kevin Nash wrestling gif of, you know, standing up from the wheelchair with the fake cast and Kadarius Tony, uh, you know, finding a way to suddenly get healthy once he gets to Kansas City. Meanwhile, I took that same gif and I reversed it to show Darren Waller now going back onto the IR, you know, think, think smarter, not harder sometimes. All right, Cowboys wide receiver Noah Brown, not listed with that foot injury that did keep him out in week eight. We can't really go back to Noah Brown here at this point because Michael Gallup's back. Unfortunately, Noah Brown being in the picture really does make it hard to trust Michael Gallup in this spot. So CeeDee Lamb, really the only wide receiver in Dallas that you should be starting with confidence in redraft. And he's going to be fine from Jair Alexander, who's only shadowed once a season against Terry McLaurin. And CeeDee spends most of his time in the slot where Jair usually does not travel to. So CeeDee Lamb continue to fire him up as an upside wide receiver too at worst. Commanders wide receiver Jahan Dotson does seem to be on track to return on Monday night against the Eagles, had that hamstring injury, was able to practice in full on Friday. So four touchdowns in the first four weeks of the season for Dotson really was doing some good things under center. That was, however, with Carson Wentz under center. So Taylor Heineke experienced 23, 17, and 17 points. And now they get this Eagles secondary, man, that if you want to call them the best in the league, you got a bunch of numbers to back that up, including EPA allowed per pass play. So honestly, Terry McLaurin for me, Curtis Samuel, a little bit more of a, you know, low end wide receiver three. I just don't think Dotson is someone, especially in this matchup to be trusting. And Denver, KJ Handler out with a hamstring. We also have Kendall Hinton questionable with an illness. So it's going to be Hinton or maybe Montreal Washington as the number three. But really, I'd just say losing Handler is probably good news for a Cortland Sutton bounce back more than anybody. Jerry Judy has kind of stepped up as that number one wide receiver from the friendly confines of the slot. We got Greg Dolchich doing good things out there. But Cortland Sutton, man. 50 scoreless yards over the past three games of action. I just, I know the guy's not amazing. We've, I think, established that by this point in the season, but he's better than 50 freaking scoreless yards over the past three weeks. So maybe, just maybe, he can get right against the Titans defense that. I do think some of their bad numbers, I think they're like third worst defense in the league and PPR points per game allowed to wide receivers. I think that a lot of that is being a little bit inflated by the Bills and the Chiefs games they were playing, but maybe it's not. And they do have a ton of injuries in that secondary. So where do you fall with Corlin Sutton, Nick? For me, I feel like I'm maybe being a little too harsh on him. I have him wide receiver 30 right now based on some of those injuries, based on losing Hamler. This should be a guy that's getting eight to 10 targets. And if you're getting eight to 10 targets, that's pretty hard to keep you out of the top 24. Man, I top 24 is, is so hard. I I'm looking at where I've got. Yeah. I have him much closer to the wide receiver three slash four borderline right now, just because like, I don't, I don't know what is going on with Russell Wilson. I know that uh, Hackett is having him play under center. He's not having a move. Like there are schematic problems here where they're putting Russell Wilson in position to lose and he is losing. Um, I think that process, which, you know, you are using, I understand the conclusion you're coming to do too, that you can put Sutton in the top 24, just based on volume. And that really, you know, with, with Hamler being rolled out, that might actually be reasonable. I would probably, I, I don't think that I can bring him higher than a volatile wide receiver three though. That's fair. That's fair. Giants wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Speaking of possession wide receivers that haven't been doing anything uh, this season, uh, questionable with the knee injury. Yeah, I mean, who freaking cares? Daniel Jones has six passing touchdowns this season. And that was my whole issue with the Wanda- with the Wandale Robinson waiver wire hype, where it's like, okay, 
I get it. You have someone here on the waiver wire that can maybe give you, you know, some solid wide receiver three weeks, but there's just not that much meat on the bone in this passing game. Yet to reach 220 passing yards in a game, we do not care about Kenny Galladay, unfortunately, in the year 2022. Before we move on to some tight ends and some other goodness, I do want to give a quick shout out to some of our lovely sponsors, especially those over at Western Southern. The PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Also, Underdog Fantasy, even though Best Ball Mania has ended, Underdog Fantasy is still the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season with their Pick'em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats. Pick whether you think they'll end up with a higher or lower total than the number in this week's game. You can up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players for your pick-em entry. Get all your picks right, and you'll take home some cold, hard cash. It's simple to get started. Just head on over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code PFF, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy. Promo code PFF. Get in on the action today. And as we do every single episode, the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, our official sleeper segment of the episode. If you guys don't use sleeper, you guys are honestly missing out. Truly my favorite place to go play redraft leagues. And I have Dynasty in other spots, but I want to go join some sleeper Dynasty leagues this offseason. Nick, well, what better way to just completely ruin your end-season process than to join a bunch of Dynasty startups, you know, every offseason. But I keep doing it. We'll keep doing it, and we'll see how many freaking leagues I can get up to uh, as these years go on. This year we're at 22. We just got to, you know, set the lineups and God forbid if we count the best ball squads as well. But all that aside, Nick, I do want to talk about our sleeper of the week. And I am going to roll with my guy, Dalton Schultz. I just want to keep bringing up this prop. This is free money. You do not need to rob a bank, people. All you need to do is bet Dalton Schultz over receiving yards, 31 and a half at DraftKings. And once again, I just see this line and it's being based on, you look at his receiving yards per game, 33.8 because he was doing absolutely nothing with Cooper Rush under center. Terrible timing. He was also trying to play through a PCL injury. Three games with Dak, seven catches, 62 yards, five catches, 49 yards, and six catches and 74 yards. So banged up Packers defense. Again, Devondre Campbell, Eric Stokes, Rashawn Gary, their best pass rusher is missing the rest of the season. Look, the one thing that the one hesitancy I have with this, Nick, because I'm trying to cover all my bases here. I would never come here on the PFF fantasy football podcast, not having looked at every single angle, making this big of a fuss about a freaking prop bet. That said, you look at the Packers and they have allowed the least receiving yards to opposing tight ends this season. So I had to stop and wonder, is this an elite defense just capable of shutting down tight ends? I don't think so. I don't think they've played anyone. I think they're fine. I don't think they're this amazing juggernaut that we need to specifically avoid. Looking at their schedule, here are the tight ends they faced. Irv Smith, Week 2, Cole Komet, Cameron Brate, Hunter Henry. Okay, fine. Daniel Bellinger, Tyler Conklin, he's done a few things. Washington, who Logan Thomas has barely even been healthy. I don't think he was for that game. Dawson Knox is getting ignored in Buffalo. And a TJ Hawkinson-less Detroit Lions offense. So, no, I don't think they're the best tight end defense in the league. I think they're fine. I think they're hurt. I think Dalton Schultz is going to get more than 31.5 receiving yards this week against that group. So, once again, shout out to Sleeper. Go ahead, get that free money, and then start a new league with our friends over there at Sleeper. 
All right, guys, tight ends before we get to some DFS thoughts. David Njoku listed as out with that ankle injury. I really thought Harrison Bryant, the mother effing Mackey Award winner, was going to come in and be able to give us some tight end two weeks. But no, 42% route rate in week eight before their bye. We cannot trust Harrison Bryant with Njoku out, unfortunately. Dalton Schultz mentioned him. He is not listed on the injury report with a knee injury. And Jake Ferguson, the other tight end, is good to go after missing a Thursday practice with an illness. Raiders tight end Darren Waller on IR with a hamstring injury. This is a backup tight end we can get behind, though. Nick Foster Moreau, 87% route rate with Derek Carr last week. No Hunter Renfro also. How high are you on Foster Moreau this week? Uh, reasonably. I'm not uh, screaming about him, but I do think that he could probably start on like 10 teams in the NFL if he, if he weren't stuck behind uh, Darren Waller. So I, and like usage is there, right? I mean, you're talking about the the route participation, right? Yeah. I, I think that if you need a tight end, you can do a lot worse. I have like right on my borderline. It's Taysom, Tunyon, Dolchich. I'm going to have to drop Kate Otten down because it looks like Cam Brate's going to be able to. He is listed as questionable, but he practiced in full all week. And I think that's about the spot for Foster Moreau. Again, top 15, every down tight end. I would start, start Foster Moreau ahead of guys like Tyler Higby, like Dawson Knox, like Mike Jasicki. All right, Buccaneers tight end Cameron Brait just mentioned it. Still dealing with the neck injury, but he practiced in full all week, still getting that questionable tag. So if he's out again, which is possible, then okay. We have Kate Otten once again, full-time role in this offense. You can treat him as a top 15 option. If Cam Brait is back, though, I would not go to that Kate Otten well. And just in case you guys haven't heard, again, Buccaneers Seahawks, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. We're going to Germany, baby. I have a bunch of German in my bloodlines. I still call my grandparents Oma and Opa. So really excited for uh, this one out there, you know, supporting the old Germans and all that. But yeah, get those lineups set on Saturday so you don't get screwed over on Sunday morning. Colts tight end Mo Alley-Cox, questionable with an ankle injury. We'll see what happens. He didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Did get back out there on Friday. Their other monster tight end, Jelani Woods, is out with a shoulder. So suddenly, Kylan Granson could actually be looking at a full-time role if Mo Alley-Cox is going to miss time as well. Now, I don't think you have to get all the way over to that and redraft. Again, some of the guys I mentioned, uh, Greg Dolchich, Cole Komet, uh, Foster Moreau, I'd start all them over Kylan Granson, even if Mo Alley-Cox is also out. Just 2.6K over there on DraftKings, though. That's where it does get a little more interesting. Final two notes, Jaguars tight end Evan Ingram, not listed with that back injury. We saw his role dip a little bit last week, just a 55% route rate. I do think the back injury with him briefly having to leave the game has something to do with that. I'm just a little bit uh, pessimistic about him this week, though. Dan Arnold is a plenty capable backup as a receiver. Am I overthinking this, Nick? I mean, Evan Ingram, look, I know we're not forcing him into redraft lineups, but he was doing a lot of good things before this back issue. Are you downgrading him at all here? No, I... I like Dan Arnold as a, a player, but I think that Evan Ingram is is better than him. Yeah, I the 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 rap participation rate would be a lot. You know, it'd be a lot nicer if you did. Um, yeah. But like we're we're grasping at straws at this position, and I, I think you can bet on talent. Very fair. Final note, Giants tight end Daniel Bellinger continues to be out with that horrific eye injury that somehow isn't keeping him out for the whole season. What a warrior. But yeah, here's another one, man. The two disgusting throw up in your mouth DraftKings tight ends this week. I already listed uh, one of them before. Who the hell did I just list? Colin Granson before at 2.6K and also 
Tanner Hudson, baby, 82% route rate with Daniel Jones in week eight, playing a Houston defense that I know we don't certainly think a lot of. So look, Tanner Hudson, Colin Granson, you got to understand the floor for these guys is exactly zero points. Maybe they can go catch a touchdown though. And, you know, I do think there's something to be said in tournaments. If you wanted to save some money going down to those guys still have the opportunity to flex someone like a Travis Kelsey. So that's going to wrap up the skill position injuries. Uh, just a couple notes about defenses and bigger positions groups we do, are getting tj watt back for the steelers should help that defense quite a bit uh, all the way around just 24th man can scoring right now so look, that doesn't change alvin kamara chris alave or anything like that but maybe it does you know just lower your expectations for what andy dalton can do in this spot Saints secondary though still remains banged up marshawn Lattimore continues to be out with that abdomen injury and now their safety even marcus may dealing with his own abdomen injury he's listed as questionable wasn't able to practice on thursday or friday so chris alave maybe to the moon people are wondering big one here nick which is actually influencing a lot of my um you know dfs thoughts for tournaments colts linebacker shaquille leonard re-aggravated his back injury on thursday and he's now been placed on injured reserve i mean look this is already a run defense that gave up 125 plus yards on the ground in four of the last six games freaking jacksonville went for like 250 on these guys with shaquille leonard now he's out of the picture we are not sure what the Colts think about the Jeff, Jeff Saturday situation. Maybe it lights a fire under their ass and they're playing harder than ever. Maybe they're tired of this season and all of a sudden they're facing Josh Jacobs and company who have shown the ability to run all over certain teams this year. So I know it's been a couple of weeks, but Josh Jacobs, man, could be a blow up spot. And I know there's going to be a lot of exposure going up, getting our Derrick Henry, getting our Saquon Barkley. I really like the idea of pairing Josh Jacobs with that Raiders defense. Also got to note that Titans defense in general, awfully banged up. I freaking step it up, Titans media. I could not find their injury report anywhere to get the actual list of guys, but just know a lot of starters out on that Titans D. And finally mentioned this before with my five Dalton Schultz uh, rants. Again, over 31 and a half receiving yards, everyone. But cornerback Eric Stokes, he's out with the ankle knee injury. Shamar Jean Charles is out with an ankle injury. Devontae Campbell out with a knee injury. Even Chris with a K Barnes out. I'm mean, sorry, doubtful with the concussion. So Rashawn Gary also on the sideline. Don't be surprised if these Cowboys continue to look good. That offense in week eight, I know we got lost in the Tony Pollard, like Ezekiel Elliott discussion, but that was the best Dak Prescott's look this season by far. So as awesome as Parsons and that defense are, they're going to need Dak to be playing like, you know, the 150 plus million dollar man they're paying him to be. He looked like that for the first time this season in week eight. So that's wrapping up the injury portion of this, guys. Nick and I do have some thoughts to get off our chest, though, in regards to the DFS streets. So with that said, Nick, want to talk about your top five DFS plays of week 10, your lovely DFS cheat sheet. People can find us on PFF.com Saturday mornings as you're grinding those lineups. So starting things off with just again a big five players these and you know you'll talk more about how they apply to cash versus gpp but a certain quarterback for the new york giants who happens to run a lot and we like rushing yards and fantasy football talk about daniel jones here in a pretty damn great spot at home against the houston texans yeah so the the theme with this week's slate is either a lot of like bad matchups or um really not a lot of quarterback options because of so josh allen he's got the ucl sprain jalen hurts is playing monday night uh, Lamar and Joe Burrow are both on by and Justin Herbert is playing uh, Sunday night. So the main slate is kind of barren in terms of it's like elite quarterbacks. So for this reason, I think that Daniel Jones is viable in GPP. I, you could put him in a cash lineup, but I, I think this is more like a home run uh, swing than anything else. 
Jones specifically, with the way that they run their offense, with the way that they're playing him, I think that he line, he matches up very nicely with this Houston Texans defense. He's number two among uh, 35 NFL quarterbacks with elite with at least 100 dropbacks with 32 scrambles. Um, the two things that I that I like against Houston's defense: one, play action usage, and two, rushing on the whole. Um, Houston, I have this all in the DFS cheat sheet, and you guys can go view the statistics for yourselves. But Houston, very bad against play action passes, and Daniel Jones, kind of hysterically, very good, very efficient. <laughs> he also has the 34th uh, lowest average depth of target at 5.5 yards. Now that's that's not amazing, but he is consistently completing passes and these guys have been pretty decent after the catch. Uh, we're going to talk about someone else who's going to be the primary beneficiary beneficiary of that in a moment, but I think that Jones can get the job done with his play action and then against uh, the Houston's run defense. So Houston is uh, the worst team in the NFL and PFF run defense grade, missed tackles versus the run and average depth of tackle. They are the second worst team in terms of uh, percentage of negatively graded run defense plays. What is Lovey doing? What what is Lovey Smith doing there? Other than to give Damian Pierce 20 plus touches, which I appreciate, but come on, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's bizarre. Um, So I like Daniel Jones here. I think that this can be a a blow up spot for him. Uh, For those curious, uh, the ship chasing guys did have an excellent podcast episode. They had a a guest come on who has a New York giants source. So if if you guys want more info on what the giants are up to, um, I recommend listening to the ship chasing show from this week, but yeah, that's, that's why I like Daniel Jones. Do you have any thoughts on him? I think it's fair, man, especially in cash games. Like you, you said it best at the beginning. Like the quarterback situation isn't great. It's pretty hard to get all the way up to Mahomes this week because there's just not that many cash saving options at running back and wide receiver that allow you to pay up a quarterback. So I would say Trevor Lawrence, I think he's at 5.3, 5.4K. He's maybe the cheapest quarterback I would feel even at all comfortable going for it in cash. But Daniel Jones, otherwise, is him or Justin Fields. I don't think it's terrible if you can't get all the way up to Fields. Now, you're also really liking who has been Daniel Jones's number one wide receiver not Wandale Robinson it's Darius Slayton and it's one of these things I've been talking about uh with Kevin Cole a little bit and I think Dwayne McFarlane as well on the Sunday night pod but it's like if Wandale Robinson was putting up the numbers that Darius Slayton was over the past couple weeks we'd all be freaking out but we just have this in our mind that oh no it has to be the upside rookie the talented rookie I don't know, man. I understand Slayton wasn't a second round pick back in the day. He also scored eight touchdowns as a rookie. Like, doesn't that count for something uh, in the old talent conversation? But talk about Darius Slayton this week and maybe being, look, I don't think that Wandale is going to be super chalky, but they are priced right next to each other. And just 4.6K, I talked about the issues with trying to, you know, find lower priced options. And we like the matchup. And again, to be fair, Darius Slayton has been making some plays. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what Brian Dable was thinking because he basically kept Darius Slayton out of the starting lineup for the first three weeks of the season. He relented and allowed Slayton to play full complement of snaps uh, starting in week four. Since then, he has been Daniel Jones' primary target in play action. Um, again, in the DFS cheat sheet, I've got like per route run uh, data here supporting this, but Slayton's basically been uh, among... 32 NFL wide receivers with at least 40 play action snaps. He's He's been basically mid-tier or better. And against the Houston, Houston Texans defense, that can seem like a, a whole lot better. So uh, I think that Slayton at 4,600 on DraftKings is a great way to get access to a few chunk gains and maybe a touchdown. 
Um, and I, I always have been kind of a Slayton fan. I, you know, I, I like the way that he plays the game. Um, yeah. Do you have anything you want to add to him? No, I think, again, it's a fair call and it's good to, you know, get off the course of, I think, the expected number one. You had a great call last week on with Jeff Wilson over Raheem Mostert that, I'll be honest, I bought, I, I mean, I didn't hide it from you. I think I told you directly on the show that I was, you know, just very, it was a very curious, I thought, call and it worked out, my man. So good job by you. And it looks like Darius Slayton could be the next one. Now, your third option here, of course, we all expect Devontae Adams to have a big week. But remember, when we're talking about DFS, like this is when you actually actually got to start looking at the ownership percentages and how many people are actually going to be on this guy and looking at the matchup. Yes, we do expect him to get shadowed by Stefan Gilmore, who has been really good this year, but guess what, Nick It's Devonte freaking Adams, one of the most elite wide receivers with one of the most elite target shares that we could ever ask for. I mean, my God, no Renfro, no Waller. Like he could have a target total starting with the two. And I'm not talking about two total talking about a lot more than that. Potentially talk about Devonte Adams against a Colts team that once again, wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if they're not exactly the most motivated squad moving forward yeah so adams he's got 80 targets on the year that's tied for third highest and as you mentioned earlier on the team just put hunter renfro and darren waller on injured reserve i think that this matchup um it it brings some unknown factors that you know we've talked about this before chaos is a ladder here jeff saturday is coming in he's going to be putting his own stamp on things I, I agree, uh, you know, in, in your shadow report, you bring up that Stefan Gilmore has done a really good job in shadow coverage this year, but Devontae Adams also had a decent day the last time that they played. I think it was in 2018, uh, mm-hmm. six receptions, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Adams, he is also having a heck of a year, and I do th- I think that Jeff Saturday will probably continue to have Stefan Gilmore shadow, but what if he doesn't? He's never done this before. We have we don't know what Jeff Saturday is going to do. And uh, Adams' salary, uh, eighty seven hundred. It's the fourth highest among wide receivers on the the main slate this week. So I think that that the the salary and the fear of Gilmore might get people off of him. Anytime you can kind of have a leverage with Devonte Adams, that's overall a really good thing. I don't need to detail how great of a receiver is, but. Uh, how great of a receiver Adams is, but you know, it's, it's in the piece. If you guys want to go for the per route data here, um, he, he is still performing at a stellar level. Gilmore uh, has been, he's been really good in shadow coverage. There are some areas that I see. So he's like, he's 12th in explosive pass play rate allowed. He is 13th in catch rate allowed. He he's, he's very good, but I, I think that Adams might be able to have the edge against him here. Um, we we talk about prop bets from from time to time, or you know we we will get to them more. I was looking at Adams' numbers though, and and I was kind of curious to hear what you had to say on this. So his over under for yardage is set at eighty one and a half, uh, and his reception total is six and a half. I think I like his reception total. The yardage is kind of where the volatility is going to come in here. What do you what do you think of Adams' eighty one and a half over under? I think they're both pretty reasonable, man. Again, it's going to be tough for him, but it's Devontae Adams. We saw Terry McLaurin go for over 100 yards against Stephon Gilmore a couple weeks ago. And week one, Brandon Cooks had 82 yards. And guess what? A lot of that came from a 40-yard flea flicker where Stephon Gilmore wasn't shadowing him. So, look, these are that's what I start off every single one of those shadow articles with. I bring up a point where one time Jalen Ramsey shadowed, like he – 
followed Justin Jefferson around the field for over like 60% of their routes like that qualify. But again, it's not this hundred percent thing. So you can say Ramsey shut down Justin Jefferson because only two catches and like 19 yards came in his coverage, but Justin Jefferson went ahead and lined up in the slot and gained like another 90 yards against a bunch of other jabronis. So I do think that Devontae Adams, especially too, man, like looking at Renfro out of the picture, you could actually see more slot usage, which would actually get him away from Gilmore. So most people look, if you're, going to be paying up a wide receiver it's like why not spend the extra four hundred dollars to go get tyreek hill hey why not because we're in a tournament trying to get that separation and to your point anytime you can gain leverage with a player as good as Devontae adams awfully good idea now finishing things off nick you do like a pair of kansas city chiefs and patrick mahomes and travis kelsey and i will say that i think on this slate you look at some of the best value, the highest projected roster ship going around here. And a lot of it is in the five and six K range. I think that's probably the easiest way to make a lineup this week, taking advantage of guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, like, you know, Alan Lazard, like, you know, Sutton, Rondale, Pickens, whoever you want. There's a lot of value in the five, six K range, not as much at the low end of things. That's why I was talking about. It's hard to build a cash lineup getting up to Mahomes. Guess what? You want to make a more contrarian lineup, go the hard way, do the rags and riches approach, and that's going to just help differentiate yourself from everyone in the field. So, yeah, going with Patrick Mahomes, who's priced all the way up to 7,900. Going with Travis Kelsey, 7,800. You're going to have to go down to some cheap, cheap wide receivers and running backs you might not be feeling great about. But, Nick, in tournaments, not the worst idea. Yeah. So, so okay, so you you outlined all of that perfectly. Um, what I like about Mahomes, and I think even doing a double stack with Juju could be warranted, yeah. uh, but some of the specifics here, uh, Mahomes is, he is obviously he's very good uh, overall as a passer. He's great in play action. He is also lethal in non-play action and the Jacksonville Jaguars pass defense for whatever reason is surprisingly good against play action, but are like blindfolded in the woods uh, <laughs> against non-play action passes. Number 32 in PFF uh, coverage grade. They are 28th in yards allowed per coverage snap and 24th in explosive pass plays allowed. So I think that I think Mahomes can just shred these guys. Now, what I really like about Travis Kelsey here is that he uh, he gets to go up against Devin J- Jacksonville Jaguars uh, coverage quote-unquote coverage linebacker, Devin White, who I regard as the single worst coverage linebacker in the NFL. Uh, the the tight end matchup chart that, that PFF does every week, it has Travis Kelsey with a 58% matchup advantage rating over Lloyd. That's the highest, I think, by uh, 32%. I broke down Lloyd's coverage woes here, but like it's just kind of shockingly bad. Like We're talking about some of his statistic outside of, outside of the top 32 in coverage uh, linebackers and there were only 42 of them that had at least uh 200 coverage snaps so i I, like i think that this is as good of a matchup as travis kelsey is going to have this season so i want to take advantage of that i want to package him together uh with patrick mahomes and and uh as far as juju goes he gets to go up against uh cornerback trey herndon and that's in the wide receiver cornerback uh matchups to target piece but I, i like that one a lot as well there are a lot of prop bets here that are somewhat high, but I find them fairly interesting. Um, Holmes is at over, over under is at two and a half touchdowns. They've got a 30 point implied team total. So that's, you know, I know teams have been hitting the under, uh, but I think that it's still worthwhile to treat this as a bit of a guide here. And, you know, they might be able to have four touchdowns this week. So two and a half going the over. I think that that's reasonable. 
Uh, Juju, his, he's got a 64.5 receiving yard uh, over under. I like the over there. He's plus 100 for any time touchdown. I like that as well. Kelsey, 77 and a half uh, over under receiving yards, six and a half receptions over under and one negative 170 anytime touchdown i all of these i find to be very reasonable do you have any thoughts on on kansas city here hey i again it's a slate without i mean i don't even think we have one game total in, in the 50s in this one the highest it's one just is this one it's just a 50 and a half there we go. So they finally got there. This is the spot. And it's really easy to bring back options on the Jacksonville side of the ball as well. Christian Kirk is one of those affordable players in the 5-6K range. Travis Etienne. The fact that Travis Etienne has been putting up these numbers without receiving work, like he you could argue he's honestly only scratching the surface of his actual ceiling. Guess who's allowed the most receptions in the league to opposing running backs this year? Your Kansas City Chiefs. So Zay Jones even. There are some great bring back options for that spot. In tournaments, my two favorite starting stacking pairs are Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and then our Tua Tyreek Waddle stack just continues keeping on, keeping on week in and week out. So always great stuff from Nick. Again, check out that cheat sheet, his top five DFS plays of the week out there every single Saturday for your enjoyment. I do have a couple other prop bets to share with everyone. For the 20th time, Dalton Schultz, over 31 and a half receiving yards. I won't break down exactly why. This time you can rewind if you desire. Uh, Amari Cooper, over 63 and a half receiving yards. Good notes from one of my best friends in life, Dwayne McFarland, noting Amari Cooper's man versus zone splits for targets per route run in 2019, 29% targets per route run versus man, 20% versus zone, 2020, 29% versus 18%, 2021, 23% versus 17%. Now you might be asking, Ian, Dwayne, why would you say this is Cowboys numbers in 2022? 35% targets per route run against man, just 18% against zone. Going out, expecting to see that shadow matchup against Xavier Howard. And guess what happened the last time they matched up? Six catches, 88 yards, two touchdowns on seven targets. Xavier could not even stay close to Amari. And that was honestly a much better version of Xavier Howard out there. So I try to take it easy on guys like Xavier who are going out there and following the number one wide receiver around every week that's a lot harder than sticking to your side of the field and then you know bragging when they just send you their worst wide receiver and guess what he doesn't catch any passes so that said Zavian Howard I mean Nick we were joking on this podcast like a month ago how Zavian Howard was the first guy I've ever seen on injury report not with a groin injury but groins both of them so he's not been at 100 and guess who that helps Amari Cooper so love that over and honestly Amari Cooper just in terms of a potential blow-up pick could be right there at just 6,500 on DraftKings. So love that. And then also, if we can get any sort of Tyler Higby unders, guys, we'll see what happens with Stafford. But it's just a new role for the guy. I mean, weeks one through five, 85% route rate for Tyler Higby these last three weeks, 61, 42, and just 59%. So you've seen that offensive line. So have the Rams, accordingly, they need more blocking from their guy, Tyler Higby. Real quickly, just some notes. Overall, if you're playing cash games, head-to-heads, you know, 50-50 tournaments, just trying to basically keep your floor as high as possible. Mentioned it before, I think the two top quarterbacks are Justin Fields and Daniel Jones. At running back, Damian Pierce is going to be the no-brain, you know, just 6,300 chalk that you're going to eat. Also like ETN there at 7,100. But if you do need to save a little bit more money, Jamal Williams at 5.9K, very reasonable. And I don't hate going up for Alvin Kamara again at 7.4, potentially overrated Steelers defense, even though they are getting TJ Watt back. 
at wide receiver, Christian Kirk and Deontay Johnson, 5.9, 5.8K, getting a lot of love. Also, Wandale at 4.7, probably the cheapest I'd want to go there. And then finally, at tight end, I do think Greg Dolchich at 3.4K is reasonable enough chalk to be eating. In terms of some tournament plays, mentioned a bunch of them already just going throughout it, but at wide receiver, Chris Olave, Tyreek Amwaddle with Tua, some of these Giants guys, and George freaking Pickens, man, him or Deontay this week. I really think we could see Kenny Pickett get this passing game back on track a bit. It could not have been a worse schedule start to throw Pickett into the flames. He comes in at halftime against the Jets. Next week, he's in Buffalo. The next week, he faces the Buccaneers. He gets concussed, comes back from the concussion to his only, quote-unquote, easy matchup in Miami when it turned into a rainstorm by the fourth quarter. And, oh, what did he get before the bye? A trip into Philadelphia. So it hasn't been easy any step of the way. Now gets his first objectively cake matchup against the Saints defense. That ranks, I believe, 29th in scoring, 26, I want to say, in EPA allowed per pass play. On the other side of things, maybe take a look at Najee Harris. I know we keep hoping, wanting a Jalen Warren uh, eruption to happen, but if you just, you know, if you use your hand, blocked out the player names there on your screen, if you just saw Najee Harris, a 5.5K home running back who's going to be looking at 15 to 20 touches. Again, this Saints defense, they're not the juggernauts that they have been over the past few years. I really think we might be overestimating them. I mentioned Josh Jacobs' potential to go off without Shaquille Leonard now patrolling that front seven for the Colts. I think that's a fair play. And yeah, last thing I wanted to bring up to everyone is some of the weather potential issues. So shout out to our guy, Kevin Roth over at Roto-Grinders, always doing fantastic stuff. And Kevin basically has green, yellow, and red. Hey, how concerned should you be about these games? So some green games where he is not worried. Uh, The Seahawks and Buccaneers, quiet weather in Munich, we're not worried about it. The Lions and the Bears, it is going to be cold. Temperatures in the 30s, winds only at 10 miles per hour, though. We don't care that much about temperature. We don't care even that much about precipitation as long as it's not a complete downpour. Winds are the main issue. We aren't expecting to have bad ones in Chicago. Jaguars and Chiefs, again, 30s, but otherwise fine. Saints and Steelers, 30s with a 10 mile per hour wind not worried about it and the cowboys and packers once again cold not windy and because of that we're not too worried the one game obviously we did have some weather impact last night but the one game we do need to worry about a little bit is going to be the vikings at the bills this one is going to be cold but we had that 15 mile per hour wind with also some rain and snow shower possible snow football nick what's better than that out here so again this is only a yellow so kevin's not saying it's like crippling weather we can continue to go to the well there a little bit maybe just ease off those expectations for some of those vikings players i mean hell nick i wouldn't be surprised if buffalo can straight up win this game even with case keen them under center credit to the vikings a win is a win is a win they got seven of them but not the most convincing i think seven of one team out there and just in terms of an overall roster standpoint like i think we put the bills easily top five if you want to say number one like quarterback aside i think you'd have a good argument for it so case keenum obviously a more than capable game manager we've seen him do it plenty of times over the years this is an awfully good roster to be game managing so Everyone, I think that's going to be about it. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Nick, let the people know we got PFF.com and everywhere else around the industry. You are a busy man. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so you can follow me at Nick Bodiford NFL, spelled N-I-C-B-O-D-I-F-O-R-D. You can find uh, wide receiver cornerback matchups to target at PFF, the DFS cheat sheet, and my midseason fantasy football awards got rankings and uh rankings at nerdballff.com and uh nerding out with nick bodiford on the nerdball fantasy football podcast uh stream 
starts and sits and streaming defenses at four for four and uh, five takeaways uh, recap at the, uh, at the 33rd team. Great stuff, my brother. All right, you can catch my quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, shadows, sheeshes, all on PFF.com. Also have my mismatch manifesto. Go up Friday where I basically take, in my opinion, the best things I say in all those other articles, apply them to some matchups, hopefully get you some big-time blow-up plays. Also, everything I said about these injuries, you can find an article that myself and our injury expert, Mario Pilato, team up to combine into a nice little chart for you on Saturday that goes game by game throughout this. So if you don't have a chance you know, to listen to every single thing or you want to go back we got you covered on pff.com and guess what we'll be back sunday night to review every single game that just happened myself and my boy Dwayne mcfarland so thank you to nick and thank you to everyone out there for tuning into another edition of the pff fantasy football podcast until next time take care everybody <laughs>